from the corner of 16th and Peachtree Street, right next to the High Museum of Art in Midtown Atlanta. Welcome to the First Presbyterian Church. I'm Senior Pastor Tony Sundermeyer, and I want to thank you for tuning in to today's broadcast. And I would invite you now to join us in the worship of God. Our first scripture reading comes from Psalm 80, verses 1 through 7 and 17 through 19. Please turn with me to page 511 of the Old Testament. Listen for and hear the word of God. Give ear, O shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock, you who are enthroned above upon the cherubim, shine forth before Ephraim and Benjamin and Manasseh. Stir up your might and come to save us. Restore us, O God. Let your face shine that we may be saved. O Lord, God of hosts, how long will you be angry with your people's prayers? You have fed them with the bread of tears and given them the tears to drink in full measure. You make us the scorn of our neighbors. Our enemies laugh among themselves. Restore us, O God of hosts. Let your face shine that we may be saved. Continuing with verse 17. But let your hand be upon the one at your right hand, the one whom you made strong for yourself. Then we will never turn back from you. Give us life and we will call on your name. Restore us, O Lord, God of hosts. Let your face shine that we may be saved. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Friends, our second scripture reading comes from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 13, verses 24 through 37. Listen now for God's word. But in those days, after that suffering, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light, and the stars will be falling from heaven and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. Then he will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth and the ends of heaven. From the fig tree, learn its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts forth its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also, when you see these things taking place, you know that he is near at the very gates. Truly, I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all these things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But about that day or hour, no one knows. Neither the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. Beware, keep alert, for you do not know when the time will come. It is like a man going on a journey. When he leaves home and puts his slaves in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to be on the watch. Therefore, keep awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come in the evening or at midnight or at cock crow or at dawn, or else he might find you asleep when he comes suddenly. And what I say to you, I say to all, keep awake. 
Friends, this too is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Friends, let us pray. Good and gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations on each of our hearts be acceptable to you, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Friends, today is the first day of Advent, which is a four-week countdown until Christmas. Advent consists of four Sundays that precede December 25th and commemorates a season of expectation as we await Christ's birth. Our church year ends on Christ the King Sunday and begins on the first Sunday of Advent. We begin with a journey towards Jerusalem to meet an infant, and we end with Christ reigning on heaven and on earth forever and ever. Advent marks the turning of a page. We turn the page on the last year, and we begin a new year of ministry together. Today, the first Sunday of Advent is really the church's way of saying Happy New Year. Happy New Year of potential and possibilities. Happy New Year of beginnings and birthdays and promises and anniversaries. Happy New Year of hope and peace and joy and love. But we know all too well that New Year's don't always just bring glad tidings and good cheer. Another year can bring loss and heartache, death and grief, failure and disappointment, mental and physical illnesses, and a host of tragedies and incomprehensible things. Throughout the course of a year, throughout the course of 365 days, we move through all sorts of seasons. Some of those are good, some of them are mediocre, some of them are pretty awful. Suffering is part of our human experience, and the author of Mark's gospel stresses that suffering is part of God's experience, too. Suffering is not only something that we share as humans, but it's something that we share with God, too. God hurts when we hurt. God suffers when we suffer. And to prove it, God came to live as we do. That's what the Advent journey is all about. The incarnation. The act of God who came and who became and becomes human again and again and again. And there's something comforting about a God who doesn't exist as an idea or as a concept or some puppeteer in the sky, but as one of us. A God who is with us and for us, who lived and breathed like we do, and who suffered like we do too. There's something about shared experience that carries weight and offers credibility. 
Knowing someone experienced something similar to whatever we're going through is comforting. Their stories resonate with our stories and make it easier to connect. It helps when someone gets it. It helps when someone sits with us and nods their heads and holds our hands and says, I'm here and you're not alone. It's relieving when someone says, me too, I get it and I understand. Friends, in the wake of all that's been going on in our country lately, it seems there are more than a few people who share similar stories of suffering at the hands of powerful people. Powerful people who perhaps thought they could get away with it. Powerful people who perhaps thought their power would submit their subordinates into silence. But as we've seen, silence only lasts so long. And when voices join other voices and saying, that's my story too, people listen. People listen because these voices are loud enough that they can't be silenced or ignored. Friends, these aren't isolated incidents. The sheer volume of them is evidence of an epidemic. These are stories that touch and resonate with people of all genders and on all sides of the political spectrum. How we treat one another matters. Jesus devoted his whole life to teaching us about that. And power should never be used to abuse or harm or harass or assault anyone. Power shouldn't be used to hold people down. Power should be used to bring people up. If Jesus is our example, then our power, like our suffering, is meant to be shared. If there are two things the author of Mark's gospel wants us to know about Jesus, it's these. Jesus is the suffering son of God and a misunderstood Messiah. Mark doesn't waste any time in telling us these things as he gallops through his gospel with his pace reflecting his urgency. At the time Mark's gospel was written, either during or soon after the first Jewish-Roman war, there were many false prophets masquerading as messiahs. And into that reality, Mark assures his readers who Jesus was and who he is. Yet these declarative revelations fall on deaf ears. Time and again, Jesus is misunderstood. Despite his disciples' proximity to him, they can't comprehend who he is. There he is and there they are, witnessing him teach and heal and perform miracles, and they still don't get it. This back and forth between revelation and incomprehension can sometimes seem insufferable, but part of Christ's suffering comes from being misunderstood. It seems part of 
our suffering comes from being misunderstood too. Try as we might to understand one another, without the benefit of shared experience, we can talk past each other. There's truth in every story, yet sometimes it seems we're conditioned for disbelief, to distrust anyone who doesn't share the same values or experiences or news sources as we do. But wouldn't it be nice if that wasn't the case? Wouldn't it be nice if someone stopped and listened? Wouldn't it be nice if someone said, I don't get it. I don't understand your suffering, but I'd like to. The entire 13th chapter of Mark's gospel, not just the text that we read, is called the Little Apocalypse. And lately, it seems we found ourselves in our own little apocalypse. But wait and awaken, Christ says, for you know not the time that I will come, but I will come. Just as I have come, I will come again. That's what helps us wait with hope. We wait with hope because we know Christ didn't come for some in one particular time and place. Christ comes to invade every heart in all places. And Christ didn't come once, Christ comes again and again and again. Christ is always coming because we're always in need of saving. That's the hope that this day represents. Hope of a kingdom come and coming. Into our suffering, into our humanity, into every season of our lives, God comes. Year after year, again and again, God comes to invade our suffering with holiness. Not to glorify it, no, to redeem it, to redeem it and to create a space for it. Christ comes to help us see God's face in each other, no matter what we think, or they believe. Christ comes to invade our carefully constructed lives and ideologies and throw them off course. Christ comes to overthrow our lords and our kingdoms and reorient our power so that we know it comes from God. Christ comes and says, beware of false prophets as they will lull you to sleep. Awaken to the truth. Awaken to the truth of your suffering and to the suffering of those around you, whether you can relate to it or not. Friends, that's our call as Christians, to see someone hurting and help them for Christ's sake, to awaken from our often isolated existence and apathetic slumber and listen, to hear stories from all sides and to trust that there's truth and there's Jesus on all sides too. A new year 
in the church means a new year of living and loving and serving and growing in Christ. A new year of claiming our identities in the one who created us to love and serve God and to care for each other. Another year of remembering a God who meets us in our humanity and helps us through our suffering from a place at which God says, me too. That's the good news, that God gets it. That when God became human, God inhabited our stories and our suffering so that whatever road we travel, we know without a doubt, God travels it with us too. Friends, Christ came, Christ comes, and Christ is coming to save us from our suffering and save us from ourselves to save us from the suffering we endure by refusing to see Christ on the other side of every line we draw in the sand. But until then, we wait. And as we wait, we wait awake and awakened, assured that the God who reigns in heaven is the same God lying in a manger who will one day break through the darkness in clouds. That, friends, is the hope that we cling to as we wait and we watch for revealing figs, figs that point to a God who comes and comes and comes to invade our lives, our homes, our suffering, and our very existence with constant and holy hope. Amen.
that near mishap over here. But the good news is Christ's light does not want to go out. And fortunately, I didn't manage to burn the place down, so God's grace abounds. But friends, truthfully, the good news is that God gets it. We have a God who came and comes again and again and again to invade our lives and our suffering with hope and with holiness. May that blessed assurance give you peace this day and every day and throughout every year. And may you go in peace in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.